Welcome to Outside the Normal. This is your host, Russ. This is Manipulation of the Mind Thursday. We're just going to start with Birds propel. Eagles don't propel. We said, oh God, 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 oh God. What fools the nations are to rage against the Lord. You know, what's, what's fascinating about it is it's just hair, and everybody wants to talk about my hair. But see, Jan found a scripture <clears throat> in the Old Testament, and in the Living Bible it says that white hair is the crowning glory and is seen most amongst the godly. That is in the scripture. Now that's something, isn't it? Yeah. The, the apostles were businessmen. They were rich men, had plenty of money. I'm going to show you that Jesus was a wealthy man, had plenty of money. And see, all of that completely hey, Cam foreign to us. From a, from a traditional point of view. Hey, Cindy, how are you doing? Know that God blessed Abraham with Tonight is Manipulation uh, of the Mind, Thursdays. Blessed him with silver TV and evangelism. gold. How many of you like silver and gold? Those of you that don't, you're in the wrong church. There will be 50 people give $1,000 and do it right now or I am finished. Try me. And if you'll call during this telecast for you that support our ministry in any way, just call the number on your screen. We'll rush this out to you. Many of you during this time of year need to anoint, need to anoint your billfold with this oil for a financial blessing. One of the things that occurs in Christianity is that it's not pain-free. And in teaching about offenses, I found it very effective to mention the kinds of offenses that come in Scripture. The word offense in the Greek is scandalon, and it refers to the bait of a trap. This is an old Texas rat trap, and uh, I've smashed many a finger on this thing trying to show this message. And when you put the bait on this trigger, that trigger is called a scandalon. That's the offense. And if you reach for the offense to be offended because you are... Uh, uh, an animal reaches for it to eat it, but a Christian reaches for the offense because he's hurt. Hey, Robert, welcome into Manipulation of the Mind TV Evangelist. You know, people don't even want to know the truth. People don't want to know the truth in the Bible. If you want to turn the channel, go ahead, fool. Turn the channel. If you want to learn something about God, shut your mouth and listen to me for a minute. It don't matter how big or how hot shot you think you are for the executive for IBM. I mean, give me a break. What you do for a living has got nothing to do with what, what really matters to God. God said he chose the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. Do you know if you're an intellectual, you'll probably end up in hell for it? You know, three years ago, I was one of the top beauty consultants in Canada. I had one of the most successful beauty salons in Ottawa, the capital of Canada. How long have you been on alcohol or drugs? There's 15 devils. Yeah, you saith the Lord. Yeah, saith the Lord. Yeah. Come out of him, you foul devils, in the name of Jesus. Thank God. Get ready, get ready. This is the power of God. Come out of us. 
This is the power of God. 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 Come on. What kind of pain are you in? What's wrong with you? Broken collarbone. Broken collarbone? Yes, sir. How long has it been that way? Uh, a couple of days. Well, you've already took that thing off your back. Exactly. Which one is it? This one right here. Lord, there it is, putting it together right there. Mend this collarbone together in, in the name of Jesus. Bones, go together. Now move it around. Start moving it around. Start thanking God. Who else in severe pain? You're in severe. Man, I mean, you're just, what kind of pain are you in? How people think, no, uh-huh, doesn't matter what they think. Ha-ha-ha-ha. <laughs> Satan gave me this mess. I mean, it's a lie of the devil. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> that last guy. Satan gave me this. Oh, that's a lie of the devil. So tonight we are talking manipulation in the mind. This is TV evangelism and the racketeering that goes on there and how people blindly just jump on board and why. So uh, here we are. I'm finally getting around to this episode. And it's taken me a couple weeks, but um, we're here. So I want to welcome everybody in. Thank you all for joining us today. That was just a little montage of uh, some crazy TV evangelism going on. Um, we'll be focusing a lot on Kenneth Copeland today, and I may go into others next week. But, um, yeah, how's everybody doing today before we get started? Oh, uh, yeah, that, that, that's what you got going on, Cam. How are you? Who is that? No clue. They just called in, so. Uh... Well, I don't want to. I don't want to be mean, so I was just going to shut my mouth. Mean about what? I oh, know. Go ahead, Cam. We're open here, buddy. All it just opinions. sounds like a, like that conversation, the hate in this world. Mm-hmm. It's like. The hate happens, and then we sit and we talk about it, and it keeps the hate going, and then the hate happens, and when are we just going to stop talking about the hate, man? Um, I'm not really talking about the hate in the world. I'm talking about how easily people are manipulated 
Hence the name of the show, Manipulation of the Mind. Right. And, and so then you know the power of the subconscious mind, how strong it is and how much somebody can convince themselves otherwise. The power of the subconscious mind. Right. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. Yes. That's, that's Monks true. use it all the time. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, a lot of people. So car salesmen use it all the time. As opposed to you know focusing in, 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 in nothing against you because I I've heard your show before. I mean you're awesome, you know that's why I I didn't want to say anything because I thought it was going to come out the wrong way. No, no, not at all. Man. There are also positive ways we can use our self conscious mind. All right, yeah. Well, sales like I said, salesmen do it all and, the time, and they use the subconscious in order to. Uh, you see it through commercials, TV ads. Um, yep, that's why uh, as salespeople we use words like joy, um, imagine, um, glory. You use all positive words in sales. Right. I've worked in sales. Obviously, you haven't. Yeah, I've, I've sold things before: cars, Kirby vacuum cleaners, magazines, door to doors. Uh, Kirby. Door to door? Door to door. Oh, God, I'm sorry. Uh, No, it was all right. Good. Got me across the country and uh, sold a couple of units, made some money, you know, so it wasn't bad, dude. But um, with TV evangelism, um, they have taken something that is well-known, Christianity, most of the time. Um, I'm sure there are other evangelists out there for other religions, but the ones you see on TV and the ones that are prominent to people are like the Joel Olsteins, like uh, Ari Sun in here, the Creflo Dollars, the 700 Club, the Benny Hills, the uh, Kenneth Copelands, the Joyce Myers, you know. Um, yeah, that's that's corporate Christianity. Right, well, it's, uh, it's Christianity with the price tag, right? Like, so... Exactly. Religion. Okay, well, do you know how many sects of Christianity there are? Well, I mean, you got the two dominant ones, right? Catholic and Protestant, and then everything falls kind of underneath one of those two labels. Um, Those are the the major ones, but if you actually get to the root of it, there's about 2,000 different sects of Christianity, Catholicism alone. And this is just one person believe in one thing, another person believe in another thing. Any true Christian would put all that aside and realize there's only one true God and it's Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all this would just yeah, be 30, like an Oprah Winfrey show. Well, this is uh, this is Oprah Winfrey. Sorry, you go ahead. No, I was going to say, well, let's start at the beginning of it all where you go back about 6,000 years where the first... Uh, hints of religion tone came across human beings and at this time it wasn't christianity at all it was more of a uh um multiple god what do you call that did um they have multiple gods um i just lost my whole brain it's human nature to want something to believe in so just because people believed in something doesn't mean it was worth believing in is because we need something to believe in otherwise we die for nothing so, you know, it's like even, you know, the, the Nordic gods believed in Valhalla. That doesn't mean that it, it was real. It just means that well, that's what gave them purpose in life. I think originally, 
you know, before Christianity and everything, um, you did have Judaism and all that running around. But before that, even before that, you had governments that would produce religion in order to keep people controlled because they were scared of some deity in the sky versus what would happen to them here on earth. And there, it was an eternal struggle that kept people in line. Oh, yeah. This goes back to the Greek gods, you know, it, this even goes back to the, you know, uh, ancient Egypt, uh, the Asian cultures, even all the way back to the cavemen, right. you know, they were still putting gods on the walls, etching them in. Yeah, but a lot of that was just government controlled, right? Well, I mean, with the cavemen, I don't know if it was so much government controlled as they just well, were yes. too stupid to understand well, even with them, they were trying to keep yeah. each other in line and trying to make a, uh, a like a, uh, a known conscious, you know, where you, you have the ability to tell right from wrong, depending on the rules that you were given. Um, the rules that were given were usually from a uh, society and check kind of... Uh, yeah, fear-based mind control. Thank you, guys. That's exactly what it was, fear-based mind control. And um, even after, you know, as a Christian, you know, I have full belief in Jesus Christ, God, all that stuff. But it has been used over the years as a money-making machine. And it has been used over the years as a, like uh, I said, there, fear-based mind control. If you look... During even the Crusades, when uh, England was marching over and fighting the Muslims, a lot of that was just control of the population in England, uh, more so than it was to win any actual war. And when you talk life and death and eternity, that is a, a very scary thing for a lot of people, and... Even people who don't necessarily full-on practice the faith of Christianity. So, um, sorry about that. I had a kid uh, asking me a question. Um, so even people that don't necessarily full-on practice faith, when you start talking about eternity, you start talking about heavens and hell, and you start talking um, about their eternal soul, a lot of people get uneasy. And a lot of people just kind of follow the mold. Hell, a lot of our laws here in the United States are based off of Christianity and um, the full belief of the Ten Commandments. But when you do, you yeah, 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 go ahead, go ahead. Do you believe in the words right and wrong? Fundamentally, yes. Okay. So it. If I were to ask you, is that guy an idiot or is he not an idiot? You would probably be like, oh, he sounds like an idiot. I mean, something as simple as that. If you think somebody sounds like an idiot, you would probably point out and be like, dude, that guy sounds like an idiot. He's an idiot. Right. If somebody says something that is retarded, will you not point at him or think in your head that is not intelligent? What that guy is saying is unintelligent. I think. Any intelligent person can think that if a retarded person, if somebody who is, thinks stupid says something, any intelligent person would be able to just sit there and think in their head, 
I can't believe this guy's saying this. That makes no sense. That's not judging anybody. That's not racist or anything. If somebody says something stupid, a smart person knows that it's stupid. That's what makes them smart, correct? Right. Otherwise, how would they be smart? Okay. Right. So, on that same token, when people say stupid things, do you think they're stupid? Or do you have a level of compassion for them? Do you sit back and be like, well, you know what? But they'll learn someday. Or do you look at somebody and be like, that guy's a fucking idiot. I don't trust him. I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of guys. If you have kids, you don't trust them around your kids, right? Would you trust them around your mother? The crackhead standing outside the, the local Circle K asking, you know, for, for spare change. Would you leave your daughter alone with him? No. That doesn't mean that you're judging somebody. That just means that you have a head bigger than your other head, period. So, where, do you, where does your faith lie? If God says not to judge, well, there's discernment, right? Do you say don't judge or do you say judge? I say judge not, lest you be judged in the same way you judge others. You too will be judged. Um, that's what I say. So, if you are walking in front of a store, and you see a uh, a crackhead. Mm -hmm. He's got a, a crack pipe in his hand. Mm -hmm. He's got no shoes on. Right. And he tries to touch your daughter. Hey, little girl, here's some candy. Uh -huh. What are you going to do? Tell him no thank you and move my daughter to the other side and walk into the store. I'm not going to judge him for being a crackhead, uh, but I can discern, okay. I can discern that the situation is okay. not good for my kid. All right. Right. That's called judgment. That's called discernment. That's fair. It's not judgment. Now, when you go when you go to a there's a, a, there's a, a hard line between discernment and judgment. Like you can know the difference. Right, there's between, a gray area that well no, you can you can know the difference between right and wrong without judging somebody for being wrong. Right. Like if I just move, how do you know if they're just, right or wrong? If I just move on because we have we have intuitiveness, we have the ability to look at a situation and determine whether it feels right or wrong to us. Now, and intuitive w would mean that, that we see where it leads. That would be into the future. That's intuitive. Right. We're not talking about looking into the future. So that's the wrong word to use. Well, no, it's not I'm a grammar Nazi. Well, no, it's not the wrong word to use. because if I, So I, I what mean, I'm asking, I mean though. We have this intuitiveness now, it, that tells us that if you continue on the to same, mess with this crackhead. On, this, on the same and you token. you continue to let that crackhead hang out and mess with your daughter. Bad things are going to happen. Right, but That's this is it's a comparison I'm asking you. And if I never get to the other side, then there's no comparison. It just sounds like I was talking about black crackheads. But on the other side, if you were to go to a friend's house and he, and there was a friend of his family that's, you know, an 81-year-old lady, and she offers your kid a piece of candy. Now, you're not going to look at that 81-year-old lady regardless of her ethnicity or color, the same way that you looked at that black guy. Right. Now, you said, let me not judge. Now, I'm telling you, you would let that 80-year-old lady give your kid a piece of candy, and I'm telling you this truthfully. Mm -hmm. But that other guy, you already judged because you were using, you were being apprehensive and you were using your wits. But when it comes to the 80-year-old lady, you are blinded. And, and because she knows your family and she's an 80-year-old 
woman, well, you would have let her well, give you, you your kid that piece well, that, of candy. That's, that's not, a fact. Well, that's not the same level, Dan, because she knows my family, right? If the crackhead's been a friend, no, 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 right, 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 but you don't know her from Adam, right? Then she don't know my family. So that's that's an erroneous. Hey, a lot itself. of uncles, a lot of uncles molest their their nieces. Yeah, we're not talk, so we're I not mean, the whole ob- So if I'm talking about a random eighty year old lady and a random crackhead, and either one of them tries to give my kid candy, I'm going to tell them no, thank you, and uh, move my kid to the side and continue walking, whether she's eighty well, years old or a black crackhead. But now, if I know the crackhead, because I got in trouble for and, doing that exact same thing when I tried to tell an old lady no. She's like, but I have grandchildren. I was like, I don't care what grandchildren you have. I taught her not to take candy from strangers, and it doesn't matter how old you are. You could be 180. You're all right. So thank you for agreeing with me. All right. Yeah. I mean, I'm just saying that whether they're 80 or whether they were black and crackhead, if they know my family for the last 20 years, I'll probably let them give my kid a piece of candy. If I don't know them from Adam, I'm probably not gonna let them give my kid a candy. That has more to do with discernmentship than judgment. But uh, I'm going to play this little clip real quick and um, just listen to how seamless these people ask for money. I wonder where he goes uh, all day. There's only one way to find out. Is it just me or are televangelists absolutely obsessed with prying money from their congregation members' hands? You're going to come up to me and hug my neck and kiss me and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting that money out of my pocket. I've been seeing a lot of it lately in brazen, ridiculous ways, so I figured we'd take a look at a little compilation I put together of televangelists shamelessly bragging about prying money from people's hands. Let's get into it. I tell you, partnership in the gospel is the greatest thing you can do. When we get to heaven, I can guarantee you there's not a single one of you that's going to be saying, I wish you hadn't have encouraged me to give so much and that I'd have got my fifth flat screen TV and that I would have had more jewels and fancier clothes and a nicer car. All that stuff will be gone. It's only what you invest in the kingdom that is going to benefit you for eternity. You're going to come up to me and hug my neck and kiss me and say, thank you, thank you, thank you for getting that money out of my pocket. Wow, dude, that is what I call shameless. That was Andrew Womack. He's a televangelist, and he's famous for a number of bizarre things, but the one that sticks out the most in my mind is his claim that he prayed mildew away. You know, real quickly, we need to take questions, but real quickly, when my wife and I first got married, we were poor, and we lived in a house that wasn't insulated, and so we had a gas heater on the inside to keep the place warm, but because there was no insulation, the walls swept. And in the uh, closets, especially where it was dark and stuff like this, we just had mildew everywhere. And you know what I did? Instead of taking something and cleaning it off and repainting or something, I took Deuteronomy chapter 28 and read it. Mildew, you are a curse. Then I turned over to Galatians 3.13. I'm redeemed from you. And I spoke to mildew and cursed it. And did you know it went away without me having to clean it and do something? It was a curse. And I rebuked the curse. And I got free from that. Totally. A totally believable claim. No evidence necessary. This dude is actually pretty harmful and regressive. It isn't just wacky claim after wacky claim like that. He has some disturbing and strange ideas on the LGBT community, some of which I can't even play on YouTube. It would be too much. But take a look at this one. I sent a spy into our public school system to check out what the books are 
and I got a list of, I think it was 54 books in the Woodland Park school system. And this is a small place, 7,000 people in the community. And there's 54 homosexual books that we know of. And I got a list of that. And I've got people that are on my staff that go to every school board meeting. And as soon as we get them looked at so that we can defend what we're saying, we're going to stand up in the school board. We also ran, and we now have a number of our Karis graduates that are on school board, and we've got Christians in places, and praise God, we're seeing things change. So yeah, that's what your grandma's hard-earned money is going to right now. At least the money that isn't going into this guy's pocket. Absolutely shameless. You guys remember Jesse Duplantis? He's a lesser-known televangelist, but he's still extremely influential and extremely rich. He's friends with Kenneth Copeland. A lot of people remember that time Kenneth Copeland said getting on a commercial airplane is like getting in a long tube full of demons. But most people don't know about the guy he was talking to. Check this clip out. You couldn't have done that on an airliner. No, sir. No way. Stand up and say, what'd you say, Lord? No. Okay, no, yeah. And the guy sitting over there saying, what the hell does he think he's doing? <laughs> you can't do you that. You can't do that. No, no. That's why we're on that airplane. We can talk to oh, God. Lord we God. Can, we, true. We, you, you can't manage that today. Right. The, this dope-filled world. Right. And get in, an air, get in a long tube with a bunch of demons. Right. That's exactly the And it, it's deadly. And, and it works on your heart. It really does. The guy on the right is Jesse Duplantis. Copeland gets a lot of flack for that clip, and rightfully so. But if you think Copeland is bad, you haven't seen anything yet. Duplantis has his own ministry, and as I mentioned, some of it gets bad. This is Jesse Duplantis telling an absolutely hilarious story at a fundraiser he and Kenneth Copeland were doing together. Check it out. I honestly believe this, that the reason why Jesus hadn't come is because people are not giving the way God told them to give. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Wow. I mean, when you understand, it, you can speed up the time. Wow. Can you say emotional manipulation? Evangelicals want nothing more than for Jesus to come back. And this dude's straight up telling them that if they give him their life savings, Jesus will come back. As though Jesus cares how much money you give to this televangelist. Keep watching. It gets worse. I was on television. He said, I heard you was a millionaire. I said, that's not right. That's not true. He said, yes, it is. I said, no, it's not. Multi. Now, add that to it, and you'll be all right. <laughs> oh, he couldn't handle that. He liked to have had a fit. And I said, you mess with me, I'll buy this station, and I'll fire you. Yeah. Oh, he didn't like that, then he didn't. Uh, you know, that was a little fleshy, but it felt good. <laughs> Just did. You know? Wow, dude. He seems to know that was wrong, but he doesn't care. He says it was a little fleshy, but it felt good. How do people not see straight through this? Honestly, I would recommend covering that up. Pay the dude off to keep quiet about it or whatever. You know why he's out there telling the story like he doesn't even care? Because he doesn't. Did it affect his reputation? Of course not. The types of people who trust and believe the things he says won't leave his side no matter what. The bizarre thing is that what he did is traditionally considered to be one of the biggest scumbag things ever. Like, it's one of those unrealistic scenarios that movie villains do, so you hate the character more. I guess he decided he wanted to see what it was like. Keep watching the clip. That was a little fleshy, but it felt good. <laughs> Just did. You know what I'm not saying? It's wrong. So I realized that I will not move people emotionally yeah. to give. Right. No. I'm going to have people move according to the Word of God. What is God saying to you? And I really believe this. If people would call this number <clears throat> and put this victory all over the world on every available voice, every available outlet, God, the Father, he would say, Jesus, go get them. Yeah. 
Because you see, he wants to see us as much as we want to see him. If he wants to see us as much as we want to see him, then why isn't he here already? And don't tell me it's because I haven't donated my life savings. God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-wise. If he really wanted you to have fat stacks, then he could snap his fingers and give them to you. He wouldn't even have to take your grandparents' medicine money out of their checking accounts. But this guy seems to believe that Jesus is waiting to see how much money you donate to Jesse Duplantis. Mind-blowing. Because you see, he wants to see us as much as we want to see him. You see what I'm saying? And so what has hindered all these things is, right. uh, uh, is because people are not doing in the financial realm, because we live in an economic world, what God's called them to do. You know, he's called us to do that. So I don't have a problem with giving. I don't have a problem with receiving. It, it doesn't make any difference. Because I just made up my mind, I want Jesus to come. Now, uh, they said, do you own a jet? Yes. You can have it the day after the rapture. It's yours. Because <laughs> Jesse, Jesse is uh, going to heaven. Honestly, I wouldn't be so sure of that. If I remember correctly, the Bible said something about a camel in the eye of a needle. What was it the Bible said again? The Bible also says that it's more difficult for a rich man to get into heaven than it is for a camel to get through the eye of a needle. Oh yeah, that's the one. Wow, Inside Edition. I love it. So what did Copeland say in response to that? But he said, all things are possible with God. And... He said, if you study the, the Greek behind that, it's trusting in wealth. Is that true? No, it's not. I looked up the Greek in the interlinear version of the Bible. It doesn't say anything about that. But it wouldn't be the first time Kenneth Copeland just made something up right off the top of his head, would it? But about the end of the verse, I did look it up, and it says the disciples were confused. They said, who can get in? And Jesus said, with men it's impossible, but all things are possible with God. I get the impression Jesus kind of stuck his foot in his mouth and had to do a reverse uno so they'd chill out and stop worrying they may not make it through. Either way, it seems pretty clear to me that Jesus and and the Bible more generally, don't like rich people at all. Matthew 6, 24 says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. End quote. Luke 12, 33 says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Proverbs 19, 17 says, Whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord, and he will repay them for his deed. What's Kenneth Copeland doing? Taking from the poor. He's taking it, not giving. Pretty interesting considering the fact that he's almost a billionaire. He's worth somewhere in the range of $750 million currently. If anybody isn't getting into heaven, it's Kenneth Copeland and Jesse Duplantis. Let me give you a more rounded out idea of how Jesse Duplantis views money. Check out this clip of him justifying things like making fun of some dude by telling him he'll buy his company and fire him. K-12 makes going back to school easy. Forget the stress and of shopping. We send you everything you need to... Uh, yesterday, somebody blessed me, walked up to me, just shook me, had some money in there. I said, thank you, I received that. What a blessing of the Lord. Years ago, I would say, no, 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 no. And I thought, Lord, I'm sorry. He said, Jesse, I can bless your ministry, but I can't bless you. And you know why I wouldn't let that happen? It wasn't because of pride. Because I'm, I come out of a work generation. So automatically when people would do that, I'd say, no, no, I work. I, I, I'll take care of it. It wasn't a pride thing. It's just the way I was taught. And then and when the Lord told me, I said, Lord, forgive me of that. He said, would it hurt your feelings if you wanted to bless Kathy? And she'd go, no, no. Would you get your feelings hurt if you went to bless Jody? And she'd go, no, Dad, I work for it. I, I don't want to. I said, well, yeah. He said, then why do you want to hurt me? And I said, 
And Lord, you said 100-fold with persecution. He said, well, they persecuted me. Is that a problem? People pointing out the hypocrisy of a preacher being filthy rich is persecution now. Well, I'd say that's a new one, but it really isn't. All you have to do, Jeremy, to get it to incur a lot more persecution is buy two airplanes. <laughs> These people must not have read the same Bible I did. Their view of everything is completely skewed. It's like they believe in this warped version of Christianity where God wants his leaders to be filthy rich and all the church members to be broke from donating everything they own. This is a constant thread through evangelicalism. It isn't just these few guys. Check this one out. This is Hank Kuhneman. Oh, I'll just hold on to my money because, you know, there's hardship. Be careful. The safest place you can have your money is invested in your bank account in heaven. When you release your tithe, you're giving it to Jesus. When you give your offering, you're giving it to God. And when you do, you're putting it up in a heavenly bank account so that when you have a need on the earth, you can make a withdrawal and your need will be met. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. Heavenly bank account. Beautiful. To be honest, it really doesn't sound like Jesus wanted them giving their money to preachers. As a matter of fact, if I remember correctly, there's a verse in the Bible about Jesus overturning tables of money changers, isn't there? He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. And again, I feel like Luke 12:33 is relevant here. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail where no thief approaches and no moth destroys that actually sounds like what hank kuhneman is saying except instead of giving to the poor like it specifically says you're supposed to do he said give the money to him he's not poor it sounds to me like he's directly contradicting the bible here but remember he's anointed because i'm anointed He's a prophet. He knows things you don't know because he has a special line to God. And God wanted him to tell you that he wants your money in Hank's bank account. If that's not bad enough, our old bud Jim Baker's been running this little trick since the 1980s, even earlier. Check this clip out. It's from mid-August 2021. I'm just going to reiterate that I want you, when you order this $1,000, to do it in faith. To sow that $1,000 yes. seed in faith, that's believing that this is part of your seed into the kingdom of God. You're doing something for the kingdom yes. of God. And God is going touching to... Touching the world. Just yeah. They're touching the world. Literally. It's true. Mm -hmm. And so we're, we're sending out to the, the... What do you call the blanket again? Miracles happen. Miracles happen blanket. That blanket right there. Prayer clock. You're there it get is. That is just a, sleep under it or do whatever you want to do with it. Hang it on the wall. <laughs> That'd be a great wall hanging. Your seed, your donation is your seed into the kingdom of God. This is something else, man. Using people's faith against them, manipulating them into sending you money. This video gets worse, too. We haven't even gotten to the worst part, surprisingly. Keep watching. What else Lay do they get with finance. it, Nana? Lay it over your bills. Because yeah, healing of your finances. Put your wallet in there, your credit cards, all the bills, yeah. you know, house, the mortgage. Put it on there. We're having houses paid off this week, wow. this, this last month and this month. And I'm like, hallelujah. Yes. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Yes.
Lay the blanket over your bills to have God heal your finances. We're having mortgages paid off this month. That is absolutely chilling. They're basically telling people to donate their mortgage payment to Jim's ministry. And in return, God will pay your mortgage for you. These people must be fully aware of the scam they're running, right? I'm having a lot of trouble believing they're just honest actors when they say and do things like this. Why does God need you to donate anything anyways? Can't he just put the money in Jim's You're account if you neighbor. wanted him to have it? The truly ironic thing here is that it's almost like God is actively removing money from Jim's bank account. I mean, it's not God. It's Jim's bad business decisions. When the virus first appeared, he was making his rounds on his TV show, telling everybody to drink his colloidal silver stuff to help protect them from it and other things. This influenza that is now circling the globe, you're saying that silver solution would be effective. Well, let's say it hasn't been tested on this strain of the coronavirus, but it's been tested on other strains yeah. of the coronavirus and has been uh, able to eliminate it within 12 hours. Yeah. Totally yeah. eliminate it, kills it, and deactivates it. Yeah. No. Note to all of that, colloidal silver only has one primary effect, and that's turning your skin blue. Really, do not use Jim Baker's silver solution for anything. It is absolutely worthless. Jim Baker's silver solution doesn't do anything for anybody. Well, some people took notice of the little scam he was running and decided to sue him. The government ordered him to pay back everybody who bought his silver because of his false claim that it would offer any protection from anything at all. And according to Baker, it ruined his ministry. Well, as they say, place stupid games win stupid prizes right jim so anyways now he's blaming it on cancel culture we're we're actually doing a telethon and we want to thank you for coming and and it's to help us save our stations because no. of the cancel culture you're always because, helping people yeah, and, yeah, I appreciate and you have you us help us in well, the past. well they can't you're canceling out stations this is what they want to do cancel yeah. out the voices That's yeah. it. our first amendment right of free speech is going they take that first not to split hairs here but i don't think it was cancel culture again i'm pretty sure it was your bad business decisions but he never misses an opportunity to take advantage of a good culture war buzzword if that doesn't do it for you check this out a while back there was a tornado that ran right through Kentucky and did untold amounts of damage to people's lives. Watch this. This storm, this is this is, wasn't a tornado. Do you hear me? Say amen. We hear you. We're listening. It wasn't just a tornado. It was like 200 tornadoes. I don't know the exact number oh, yet. Do you know, Mondo? 40, about 40 tornadoes. And they wiped out people there's i know a thousand homes gone people just without a home so i i want you to help today those that can give a thousand dollars Wow, $1,000. That's pretty steep. But okay, that's honorable, you know? Dude's trying to help people suffering from the tornado, right? That's something I can get behind. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't play the end of the clip. Let's finish it. So I, I want you to help today. Those that can give a thousand dollars to help us stay on the air. Did we really expect any less? Did we really expect less from Jim Baker? That's who he is. That's who all of these people are. They have one primary interest, and that's fleecing gullible suckers for everything your grandma owns. It's absolutely wrong. And I have to say, I can't figure out how they came to the conclusion that- Jesse is uh, going to heaven. I have to wonder if the people at the very top, like the ones I specifically mentioned today, know the score. I have to wonder if they know they aren't going to heaven. Maybe they don't believe any of it. Maybe it's just a get-rich-quick scheme that succeeded gloriously. For them. 
Who knows? I don't like to assume people's intentions because we honestly have no way to know. We aren't in their heads. All we can do is assume, and I prefer to lean on as few assumptions as possible. But I have to say, when I see things like what we watched in this video, it really makes me wonder if it's just people who are incapable of feeling empathy or emotions and floated their way to the very top of the field. Alright, that's just, uh, sorry about how long that clip was. I didn't realize it was nine minutes. I thought it close to five, but it just still gives the example of how uh, shamelessly they ask for money and how shamelessly people give it without even a second thought because of what they believe, not necessarily what the people taking the money believe. And uh, Oz, uh, you're absolutely right. Um, I've seen up there where you put the eye of the needle is a term used to enter a narrow door. It was uh, the gates entering into the city of Jerusalem. There was a merchantile gate called the Eye of the Needle. And it was so small that you had to get off the camel and lead, take all your bags off and lead the camel through the needle um, in order to enter the gates. And uh, that was interesting. But um, I do also see that you put Matthew six nineteen through 21 on there. Um, you got any thoughts on it so far, Oz? I don't know if you're able to talk or not. Oh, no, no sorry, Russell. No, I'm here, mate. Yeah, I'm just doing stuff in the background. Yep. Okay. I've got nothing to wait. Nothing to ask. I'm sure we could have a long conversation all over. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so the manipulation of people for their money has been a, a trope ever since TV was around. And even before then on the radio, you had radio evangelists that would come on and beg for your money and um, use God as an intro to your wallet. Now, um, I noticed uh, the thing that got me on this is there's a church around here called Elevation Church where the pastor just built himself a $3.5 million home after saying that his church didn't have any money to donate to missions this year. Because the church didn't bring in enough for that and his salary. So um, that led me to this conversation. Well, I have a lot of experience in this topic of televangelists, radio stations, and money. And I will say that there is a point where you do, you should, um, you know, go into a ministry that you really believe in, right? right. That being said... I saw a lot of quote unquote prophets come into the station. And as soon as these prophets came into the radio station, because we had a secular side at the radio station and a more religious side, as soon as I heard their name prophet, I'm like, they're not going to pay their radio bill. <laughs> and sure enough, they didn't. And then they would promise they would, that what they would say on these shows were like, if you sell in a hundred dollars, a thousand dollars, at five hundred dollars, God is going to reward you ten times over. They would say something, right, as if it was contingent on them giving um, to this this prophet. Now that being said, the Bible does talk about we have to sow into ministry, and Jesus talks about the widow's might and how she gave everything she had. So that was very honorable to God. And then we talk about a tithe and an offering. So God does talk about money and about giving into ministry because the church cannot stand without income coming in. Same with radio programs, um, same with evan some evangelists. Like there are some legit evangelists out there that really do need that financial support. 
So, but you have to be careful who you're going to give your money to because I have seen on both sides the good and the bad. So I, I've seen it personally and, uh, I, I don't know what you talked about before. That's the only thing I know. I, I came oh, nice. in really late to your show. No, no. I was, I was editing a very long program for tomorrow, so I'm sorry. No, no, you're fine. That's uh, basically all I've been talking about uh, tonight. Just the uh, how easy it is for people to give money to these evangelists because of their. Yeah, faith. I saw people getting swindled. You know, like uh, Jim Baker. And was I just saw some about, legit uh, ministries that needed it. He was talking about send your mortgage money into me and uh, then put your mortgage underneath the miracles oh, no. happen blanket. And oh, Jesus goodness. is going to magically pay your mortgage because you sent the money to James Baker. And uh, that, that's kind of. And that's what I would hear from these quote unquote prophets. And so I'm like, okay. Now I have, I want to say something here. Mm -hmm. Um, my husband and I, you know, has been worth a lot of overtime. So we very rarely get to go to church. So my church is through my computer, which I get to watch my church through my computer. <clears throat> Tithing on our part is very rare. But I'm going to sit here and I'm going to tell you, and to this day, I have seen it happen in my family more often than not, that if something <laughs> like a big bill that stands for my mortgage. If we are short on our mortgage and I know we're going to be short because I handle the bills nine times out of 10. Mm -hmm. My first thing and my first go to is God, you've got this and I know you're going to take care of it. And a hundred percent of the time it's took care of. I don't have to worry about whether it's going to be short and something's going to bounce. Right. I've had so, that too, Shelby. So that's my I, testimony. I will now yep. shut up. No, that's awesome. No, that's I've awesome. experienced that too. I experienced that too. But God, you know, does want us. He does want us to sow into ministry. I mean, financially, he does want us to. And and anytime we do, he does bless us somehow, some way, you know. Um, but uh, with this baker dude and the people I've also seen, yeah, there's there's the shysters too that will come and take all your money. Um, and they'll quote unquote say it's for God and then they get rich off of it or, you know, mm. so, hey. but Shelby, you're, you're absolutely right. Man. God will provide. Hey, Harry, yes. Clement, uh, 100% of the do you time. have something you wanted to add? I am listening. Thanks. Oh, okay. Well, nice to have you in here. Thanks for joining the show. Um, yeah, you're I'm always wary of, uh, people that put profit in front of their name um one because we don't have the need for profits anymore jesus already came and died on a cross um so you wouldn't be a prophet you'd be an apostle because you're telling the story of jesus not the coming of jesus um but that's splitting hairs and that's semantics but uh yeah anybody that puts profit in front of their name is just out for themselves usually but um I think there's a fundamental difference between giving to a ministry, right, and uh, doing your tithing, your 10%, whatever, um, uh, even gifts and all that stuff, and making your preacher rich. Yeah, that's uh, mm -hmm. like the preacher here not able to give the ministry to the missions this past year because of the hardships of the church, but he just built a $3.5 million home. Um, in the same year that he was struggling. Hey, Lux, how you doing, brother? But, um, 
so yeah, that's that's where the line kind of draws. And then with Jesus, you know, he he did a three year ministry. When he was thirty years old, he went on a three year ministry, and he left uh, Nazareth. He left Nazareth to go out on his journey here with one pair of clothes on, one pair of sandals on, absolutely no money. And he traveled around for three years, depending on uh, those who were faithful and followers of his ministry. So for people to make money off of Jesus, when him himself didn't make money off of himself, kind of throws me off as well. Well, I mean, I think it's okay for a pastor and to have a salary because that's his full-time job. He was called into ministry or she was called into ministry. And I'm okay with the church having staff. I mean, the church needs to have staff to, to function. But I get what you're saying about the whole wealthy thing. And, and you know what? My first inclination is exactly what you said. But then, I mean, if if the church and ministry is growing, obviously salaries are going to grow too. But it is hard to wrap my mind around a minister being a millionaire. But I don't know. I, I don't know what to really think about that. I mean, it it, it is kind of weird to think about your minister being extremely wealthy. But I mean, there was many men in the Bible, like Abraham was a man of God and he was really wealthy. And David made, David was a shepherd boy that turned into a king and gained gained a lot of wealth. And so I guess there's nothing sinful about being wealthy per se, but it is weird. You know, I I don't know if there's a biblical, like theological thing that like we should be following when it comes to that. I don't know. I don't know. Oh. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, with Abraham, yeah, he was well taken, he was the well, father of many nations. Yeah, go ahead, Rob. Well, as, you know, I was, I was listening to this, and I know uh, a few pastors out there that the money that comes into their church, as soon as they pay the bills, the rest of that goes into the charitable works. Right, like yeah, the, the church, the, the house that they live in, you know, the house that they live in is is owned by the church. Right, right? so if so, if they want a new pastor, they get a new pastor. Um, so, <clears throat> you know, and their salaries are are less than what mine is. It, I mean, my salary's not great; it's enough to live on. You know, and and they're doing a full time job. Right. For less money than I make, plus taking care of a plus taking care of a church and um, and helping out their community. Hey, um, how you doing, brother? You know, I've I've seen I've seen some of them. You know, they, they go out and they buy used cars right. to give to the to their parishioners okay. that, that well, are having a, a struggle getting to and from the church. Well, like, right. well, like my church, man, my pastor, he works full time as a training officer for the uh, York County Police Department. Um, he trains all the officers that come in. That's his full time job. He doesn't accept a salary from the church. The uh, home that the church uh, owns that was supposed to be for the pastor. Uh, we rent it out to a, a guy who has to raise his kids by himself and divorce, whatever, and his wife's a piece of crap, don't have anything to do with the kids, at a very reduced rate. And then the other home the church owns, we use for homeless people who have no home and uh, are trying to get back into the workforce and everything. And uh, 
all we do is pay yeah. the bare minimal bills and then everything else goes out to charitable works and that's awesome that's there, the way it should be there there and, and and robert's right that there are some congregations and some denominations that have a parsonage and like my uncle's a minister in texas and the methodist church they they have they own a home and he lives there um, my father was a minister, and he he his church didn't make enough money to give him a, a really good salary. He made like what five hundred dollars a month, so he had his own house from his own job. Yeah, he had to work there. Um, so sometimes, when it comes to pastor housing, sometimes they buy a house out of their own money, whether it's um, the salary from a church or if it's a second a, 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 their full time job, and then ministry is like their second job so to speak because oh, yeah, it's yeah, just not enough to live on I'm my preacher's building yeah. his house now but he's able to build a house not from money he got from the church but money he made from you know saving up with the police department his wife being a cpa and you know um they had to make their own money to make their house but it's the uh it's when you get to these mega churches and you get to these tv evangelists and people that are using faith and using uh people's natural belief in some, a higher power to align their pockets than is uh yeah i i agree with you because I, I, I if, if they too. could turn that money around yeah. and like actually put it back into their community the good that could happen out of that is is astronomical right 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 like why is kenneth Co I mean, why, why is kenneth copeland a tv evangelist worth almost 780 million dollars right well, why is any one of them worth a million dollars? If if they came into a port, why are they why are they gaining money when they're trying to bring people to salvation? But some of these mega churches none of it makes, do makes invest, sense. invest in the community. I know I know some of them do. Right. I mean, without the mega churches, sometimes we won't be able to accomplish some of what we want to accomplish. So, I mean. I don't know, Brett. Like, what do you think about it? Like, We're talking like should, about should your mega super church, wealthy. Should the value of your mega church be worth more than the total home value of the people that live in your congregation? Though, I don't know. No, uh, I. It depends on you know. The biggest thing about churches nowadays is we see too many of them run like a business. Even though they're run as right. a nonprofit, they still run them as a business. And the way that they do run it as a business is funds are distributed in an awkward way to where that they cover things up. And to this day, we still have a lot of churches like that. Um, our church here in Anderson is a, you know, is a nonprofit and a 501c, but everything that goes into that church goes right back out to the people right. of it and it goes yep. back to the community and it goes right. back to say neighbor to neighbor you know the food drives or this or that you know and that's the difference nowadays is we have we have too many churches that are churches that are set up as businesses whether they're nonprofit or not and they do create a business atmosphere so right. you know and when it comes down to to ties or this or that you know a lot of people believe in ties the 10 percent thing or this or that but you know what when it comes down to it i have people and members of our church that you know can't afford to even breathe let alone give 10 percent of what they got yeah. coming in you right. know and that shouldn't be a factor 
it should not be a fact. Yeah, well, they can give 10% you know? of their time or 10% of their prayers, you know what I mean, to the church. Correct. Or, yes. you know, that's the difference between right. an offering. You're giving, you're, and God's seeing the sacrifice you're making when you even give it a dollar, when it's a struggle to give a dollar. I mean, God sees right. that and honors that because he'd rather you be cheerful about giving than be giving it and, you know, be upset a bitter or painful. Yeah, bit yeah. Of heart gets well, right, and, and that's the thing. You know, we, I have, yeah, we have we have young children that try. Yeah. I had a young child come into our church, you know, uh, two Sundays ago and bring four dollars and quarters and say, "I hope this helps," you know. And that's the thing; it, it's a hard thing. It shouldn't be a a thing to where you are are beat down to do right. because right. that's not right. the reason of the church is there. The church is there to be uplifted and to keep life's path. And any way you look at it, right. you know, any church that has turned into a business situation should not even be going that way, you right. know, and that goes, and that goes for the pastors as well, you know? Yeah, so, absolutely agreed. It, it, back in the days, they weren't given money. It was, it was product. Their time, right. you know. Right. I have I have ten chickens. Here's two of them, yeah. you know, so that we can so that we can feed the you know feed the homeless or feed the less needy. Um, like that's that's what it started out as, and now, unfortunately, with uh, you know now that we use all the paid money, it's all of that. It's it's how much can I give? How much how much can I get? And yeah. I mean, I just, uh, we just approved someone uh, last month um, that came in in January, has been a member of our online congregation for two and a half years and asked for a little bit of help because she was struggling really bad. Come to find out, she wasn't here even in Alaska. She was in Anderson, Indiana. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. And we did. We helped her out. Yeah, we 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 actually did a Walmart run and had it delivered. Oh wow! You know, Aww. but she's been she's been a member of our mm-hmm. online service for for two and a half years and didn't even realize that we were in Anderson, Alaska. Oh, wow. <laughs> so I, I mean, it's it's amazing the things that happen. You know, things happen for a reason. Oh yeah. You know, any way yeah. you look at right. it. Right. You know, and it's all in God's timing. Any way you look at it, so you have to realize that, oh, and right. whether you have the faith or not you know what? It's still going to be God's timing. And if you get high-fived with a chair in the face, God. you'll know why. But, yeah. Um, so like my pastor, he, he, that's my he, story and I'm sticking to it. Our pastor at my church, he, he made a deal with the congregation that if you, if you do tithe and you do give offerings of whatever you can, you know, whatever God puts on you right. to give, that's what you do. And at the end of the year, you show where it get created a hardship for you. And you weren't able to pay your bills, even if it don't take a year. If you can show where it's it's affecting you to where you can't pay your bills and you can't pay your medical and all yeah. that stuff, the church will give you your money back and match it. Um, right. Yeah. That's cool. And uh, yeah, he's been doing that for. I mean, about a lot of people don't now, think about. He's had zero people yeah. bring it back. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and that's the way it should be. Our 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 church runs on a shoestring. We literally $3,100 a month just on heating fuel to keep it open. Oh, I believe that. Especially, you know, know, and we we can't, but because God is, we're lucky enough to have, you know, your heat stays on. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
That's exactly right. Every month we seem to make it one way. And that's what Shelby said too. And I second that because I've, I've come into places where like there was too much month and not enough money. And I'm like, and we made it. I'm like, how did that happen? It it seems seems like that a lot here. Well, if if you look uh, traditionally before there was ever federal assistance, um, churches were the place people and communities went to, to get help. Right. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. And you know what? Because of that, Russ, it made the church kind of lackadaisical because the, everyone knows they can go to the state. And, and also that kind of diminished some of the ministry of a church because people know they can go to the state so they don't have to go to church and learn about Jesus, you know? So it's, it was, right. it's kind of a, on one hand, it, it was a negative. Right. right. Yeah. But see, in our case, we don't have that option because we make too much, you know, for us to do federal assistance. So sometimes we just sit back and we suffer, you know, or go without just, you know, because it's not that we're too proud to go to our church. It's not that. It's just that we, we have the heart to say there's somebody out there that needs it more than us. Right. Exactly. Yeah. There's been money a month. You know, we've all been there. That we've had, yeah. you know, box max and cheese and hot dogs. For, yeah, know, right. Straight. As yeah. long as we you have know? that, we're good. Right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. So, uh, so, I have to ask you this, then, Brett. Um, with some of these uh, Christian singing groups that are out now that are on the radio and producing and doing concerts, some of their tickets are yeah. going for anywhere from one hundred and twenty to two hundred forty dollars a seat. Um, how do you feel? Like fundamentally, how do you feel? about people making money they have they have turned yes they have turned it into a business and they have reacted i mean we've seen so many of them i mean there's some great great you know praise groups out there i mean all the way from bethel music to you know and they went through their trials and tribulations they got caught with their hand in the cookie Mm -hmm. jar right you know and they've got some amazing music that just uh, it it reaches the soul you know, and, and does things for you. But you know what? The same thing has happened. At, you know, um, I heard you bring up the Newsboys the other night. Yeah, yeah. There's another one. You know, they've, they've come up. They've, they've hit the top of the charts. Yeah. And they're capitalizing on it. But they're not putting anything back into things. All right. You know, yeah. oh, really? where are the See, free concerts? Yes. Where are the concerts that are that are helping out? Um, where are the, you know, being part of, and you don't even have to be a part of a big box church to do anything, but there should be something that should be given back. You've put in a role to make something happen. And, you know, everyone has their calling out there and it doesn't matter what it is. Someone, uh, you know, someone in your family, everyone knows they have a calling to do something. If it's in your heart and the faith is there, you know you have a calling to do something, whether it's going to clean the church once a week or whether it's just to, you know, help out with the kids or maybe even help out at a game night or something. There's always something that someone can do. And when you find yourself at the point to where they are receiving and not giving back, I have a huge, huge problem with that because in that standing, you are there. You have now just made yourself part of the world. And you so have not made yourself. I need to yourself. ask you this question because I struggle with this idea that he's bringing up on the show. 
because mm-hmm. being rich isn't a sin, right? God blesses all kinds of people. Sure. Um, he, I mean, there's there's a lot of godly people in the Bible that were that were wealthy, and God blessed them with wealth. And so we're talking yeah. about so you're, this example about entertainment. I mean, is it a sin for these people who are making Christian music to be wealthy? I struggle with that idea, thinking that it's a sin, but at the same time, like. When you put the word Christian in it, it's almost like, okay, maybe I shouldn't make, like, there's that poverty mindset that you have to be in poverty to be a Christian. And I, I don't buy into that philosophy at all. I so don't. I, I struggle okay. with the balance. I see, I see where you're, where you struggle with that. And yes, there, there can be a problem with that. But the problem that you see is if they're making themselves part of the world or are they making themselves part of the Christian, the body of Christ. That's the difference. Do you understand what I mean by that? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. So that's where I see a problem in it. So you're not necessarily on on the train that just because they're a Christian musician that they shouldn't be getting paid well. It's just what are you doing with that wealth that God's blessed you with? Is that what I'm right. understanding you say? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's so, kind of so, where so, I'm at, so too. When I, look like, at that when, I, when I look at it, though, I'm like, how— and this is this is my struggle with it, right? Um, yeah. You make enough to own a home. You make enough to have a car to get you to and where you need to be, right? Uh, you make enough money to buy clothes for your kids, to, you know, put them in their gymnastics lessons and whatever. You know, you make enough money to have a life. Right. After yeah. that, what's the point of collecting that money? You know, I mean, what's the point of putting? So that you in can your help, but you're not helping. So you can help others accounts. that are struggling, but you're not. You're sitting yeah. in your bank account, but you're not. It's just sitting like there. as soon as it comes, it's like, like, like as soon it's as creating it, interest, right? As soon as it, yeah. as soon as it comes in, it could go out. There are enough programs, enough people that need help, enough things around you in any community that you're in that as soon as that money comes in, it could go right back out the same day. But it don't. Right. It sits in a bank account. It doesn't. Yeah, but exactly. that's not necessarily a sin either, I don't think. It's because not, if but it depends on you, the it's the appropriations of the funds and what you do with them. Right. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's a matter of how much it. is sitting, how much is you're sitting on. Correct. Now, like a few hundred, right. I I say that's okay. You never know what's going to happen to that car that's going back and forth. Right. Right. But. A couple of thousand, yeah, I find a, a, a big, you know, hmm, and, and there's here, something going on there. And, and I mentioned this earlier, Amber, and uh, you weren't in here yet, Britt, but the, the fundamental uh, the, behind the, behind Jesus, right? He, he went on a ministry with nothing, and he traveled all across, across Asia Minor back into the you know Middle East there and all over the place in three years' time. And he never collected any like any funds. Like he had, he had Judas there that was their money keeper, and it helped him eat. But that was it. That was all, like that was it. Yeah. You know? uh, and you look at Paul. Yeah. That went through the Bible, uh, and his ability to have money. He could have had all kinds of money from the churches that he stopped by, but he took none of well, it. You know what I mean? Right. And he said, "Give this." Well, he the- made tents and he sold tents. Um- to survive as well. Right. He was a tent but maker. Any any way you look at it, it, as we're talking about these musicians, a lot of them have capitalized and not done nothing 
for the good with it. They have sent a little out there, right? I mean, uh, you think about, we have, we have some out there, you know, that are great stories. Think about mercy me, right? He wrote, I can only imagine the reason why is because he was basically clubbed over the head one day and said, uh, I'm doing things wrong. It's time to straighten up and look what it did. You know, I mean, think about other groups. We have casting crowns out there. We got cut. Casting crowns is the one I was mentioning. Their tickets are selling for 180 bucks a pop right now. And, uh, yeah, see, that, which they have gone. That's insane, yeah, dude. it is. And they have one of the highest rated songs out there in praise music. Yeah. Uh, but how much is nobody. it to run a concert, though? Like, you have security, you have to rent the facility, you, you know, you have staff you have to pay. So, I, I mean, it's it's hard for me to judge that because I don't know what the costs involve. What is there? I would like to know what's in okay. that profit. Cause okay, here, here in my town... Um, our Coliseum is ran by the city. So therefore they do not have to pay for the electricity or anything. The city does all that. Yeah. But how much does the city charge to rent the facility? And then how much will it cost them for the police and security? And then we live in the Bible. I live bring. in the Bible belt, Amber uh-huh. Christians, Christian artists don't have to pay for the, for the, rent the facility. No. To oh. believe it or not, yeah, that's the way it is. Here, yeah, so. it's yeah. shocking to me because <laughs> anywhere around here, yeah, anywhere around here, they're going to be paid. <laughs> but it's still it's dependent on how it's taken, whether they're treating it as a business or are they treating yeah. it to uplift, but, but you know, uplift the it, Christian community. Like you said, they have one that that song "Nobody" is probably right, right now it's at number one or two in their Christian yeah. top billboards right now. At $180 a ticket, how many people that could have came to Christ? How many people could you have right. witnessed to that you never will see because they couldn't afford that ticket? Right. Now, your main goal. So what, about, what are you're, you're, you thinking of? Like, I'm, I'd like to know more about what you're thinking of because uh, about like, what do you, what would you expect of them to do as far as ticket pricing goes? So I, I would, I would say, I would say stop going. trying to sell up stadiums and stop trying to sell out huge arenas and start going back to churches and going to places where you can meet people mm-hmm. that, will, that you can actually save. And well, you're not saving right. them. You're, you're introducing them to Jesus who saves them. But yeah. they, 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 they don't, they don't get that introduction because you're worried about being too big about selling out arenas. You're, you're worried about selling yeah. out mm-hmm. 50, 60,000. We had one of the, one of the largest, uh, with this last year, we had one of the largest, um, Gospel groups, number one gospel groups in the U.S., the Voices of Peace, came and played our church for free. Yeah, I know. I remember you saying that. Yeah. that was cool. I mean, they literally came and played for free, and people came from all over Alaska just to see them, and they were grateful just to be able to see us yeah, and Michael sit w. down Smith. and eat Michael afterward. W. Smith is one of those that will do that. You're right, Robert. He does go to local yeah. churches, and he, he is a yeah. multi-platinum selling artist. But yeah. he also right. he also Wait. he also lives in a three hundred and I think his home's worth three hundred and forty thousand dollars now, and that's not what it was worth when he bought it. Um and he drives around a little uh old nineties Lexus, uh Michael W. Smith does. Yeah. I mean he's driving a Lexus, but it's like a ninety six model. You know, and um it's just uh do y- yeah. Do y'all not have what they call winter jam? Oh yeah, yeah. Have y'all never heard of that? Yeah, yeah, we have. I've never heard of it. No, we we have we have what's called frozen everything. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I'm being serious. Me too. I've, I've never heard of Winter Jam. I've never heard of it. Hey, no. this is where they take, um, I don't know, I can't remember which band it is that sponsors it, but they take a group of, uh, Christian artists. They have a, um, a uh, speaker, which is usually an up and coming evangel, uh, I don't want to say evangelist because that's not really who it is. It's a, it's a speaker. Yeah, it's usually um, from the local and, area. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we have and, um, yeah. and they charge, how much does they charge where you're at? It's like 15 bucks a ticket. Um, we'll see. We charge they, <laughs> 12 here. Yeah, um, but, um, and it usually sells out here. It take it, the same uh, Coliseum that yeah, Casting it, Crowns would play at. It could be 12. You know, they play yeah, here. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it sells it out. It's always sold it out. You know, but they take, what, I'm going to say probably at the most seven artists, groups, artists. And it, it lasts from like seven, seven o'clock to might near 11, right. you know, at night. And, I mean, I think... It, to me that it was a good thing when it first started, when it first started, it was $5 to get in the door, you know, and it's went up to 12 since then. It's been coming here since I can remember, you know, my kids grew up going to those things, you know, that's cool. Well, let me ask that's you, nice. let me ask y'all this real quick. Uh, with TV evangelists and some of these mega churches out there, the message that they preach sometimes I feel gets twisted like you look at joel olstein and it's always like a, mm. it's like a feel-good message with everything there's no oh, consequences yeah. to any actions right but they they twist the scriptures and they twist the word of god in order to make people feel better about themselves so they will give out the money well joel olstein's just mm-hmm. a motivational speaker as far as i'm concerned pretty I mean, much <laughs> yeah yeah I don't um, really qualify I don't trust him, him as more pastor than I could throw in anyway, either way. Yeah, because so. you're right, Russ. He, all he does is feel good. That really doesn't help people get through the hardships of life when all your message is about be happy and happy and happy. And this week we're going to talk about more happiness. Yeah. Like, he's fake. He's and you know fake. what? That's why John Gray and him split up. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. There was a reason for it. You know, John Gray is, uh, you know, he's a, of course, he's a TV evangelist, right? He runs Relentless Church in Greenville, South Carolina. Um, But he's also one that is a normal person. He screwed up big time, right? I mean, I don't know if you know the story of him. Um, John Gray, he screwed up big time. Uh, Money got to him and... You know, he even cheated on his wife at one time and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the world got to him because his head got too big for himself, you know. But if you think about it now, from his change that he made, um, (laughs) he's another TV evangelist that is that is one of those that is kind of changed. He you're right. Humility. Uh, you know, I, yeah. being a broadcaster, <laughs> being, being someone who God put that into me to do, uh, yeah. there it's a tool. It's just another tool. And I, I can't hate on televangelists or radio evangelists, you know, as long as they're doing it because they, they do have a message from God, not, not to get rich and, and, and ditch. Cause I've seen that I've been, I've seen it. I don't like those people. I, I can't stand that. But 
there's like Shelby, you know, if she didn't have that on TV or on the computer, she wouldn't be hearing from God every week. Or there's the people that can't leave their home because of health Um, or people that are just, um, you know, been burned by church. And maybe that's the only way for right now that God's reaching out for them. There, there's a, there is a reason why, or, or in some countries where you can't worship God freely, but they could find a radio program, an online station, a a TV station that's in, that's teach them about the love of God. I mean, it's a tool and God's going to use every tool because he's the creator of everything. Right. And he will put some people in those positions like he did with me. I mean, I had a supernatural experience of where I knew I was going to be after graduating a broadcasting school. And, uh, and he, and he puts people there because he needs to get the word out to everybody. So right. there is a, a plan and a purpose and a reason that we need those, those type of people. But that being said, I cannot stand those ones that do it for all the wrong reasons and steal money from people because I, I could not stand them. And and the good thing about my station is they were only there a couple months because they didn't pay their bill. So we didn't have to put them on after a while. So it was great. They stole from us. They stole from the listeners. So there you go. Well, it's like the comparison of Billy Graham versus Kenneth Copeland. All right. Um, they both made money. They both um, became pretty wealthy through their ministries. But if you look at what Billy Graham has done, and I know he's dead now, but with all the legacy that he left, you know, and all the things that he set up, like the, the Good Samaritan, the Samaritan's Cross and all this, it's a lot different than what Kenneth Copeland's done, right? Um, Kenneth Copeland has used people's faith in order to make money. And so the, here's a question out of all that, right? Why is it so easy for people to use faith as a way to manipulate people out of their money? Repeat that for me. Why is it so easy for people to use faith to manipulate people out of their possessions and money. I think it's because it comes back to, um, like not the original sin of, 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 uh, Adam and Eve, but people feel like they have to do a work to get God's Mm -hmm. approval. But the scripture teaches us that our works are like filthy rags and there's nothing we can do to please God. Like, for our salvation, basically, right? Of course, there's things we can do to please God, but as far as salvation goes. And so people often think it's too easy the way God has it. It's too easy. So I must do something. I have to do there's something. There's got to be a catch. There's got to yes. be a catch somewhere. Exactly. And that's why I think it's easy for people to be manipulated because the gospel message is so simple. You know, all the Bible says is if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ died and rose on the cross, you're going to be saved, you know, it's that easy. And there's Mm -hmm. nothing you can do to save yourself. It's something Jesus had to do. It's something God, we're the only faith in all the world where God sacrificed himself to save his people. Everyone else has it backwards where, oh, I'm sacrificing this and I'm sacrificing that. No, this is the only faith. Hey, where it's God sacrificing for his people. Right. 
Uh, no, we're not. We're not preaching today. Uh, Miss Lamal, no. Uh, we're talking about uh, it's manipulation of the mind Thursdays, and we're talking about uh, how TV evangelists, mega churches, and uh, even contemporary music groups have manipulated people uh, using faith, and that's kind of what I'm talking about tonight. But yeah, you're right, and uh, I I, agree, I totally agree with that, Amber. This. Um, People feel like they need to do more, um, but it all—it seems that, like you've, I've always seen TV evangelists. You always think about the little old lady sitting there, widowed, sending out her social security check. You know, because I know. Yeah, right. Those are the people that are usually manipulated, right? You don't get the twenty-somethings mm-hmm. coming out of college being manipulated by TV evangelists. It's always the elderly or. Right. You know, and that's uh, mm-hmm. that's what really sickens the crap out of me, dude. But. Or people that are in a real bad spot, maybe, in like, you know, they, they've had a lot of hardship hit them. Right. So they're very vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And so those people are very easy to be manipulated. If you sow into this ministry a hundred, God's going to give you a thousand in Jesus' name. You know, like, I yeah. know that because I heard it, you know? <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> Yeah. Those people are easier to manipulate when you're in a bad mental spot. And then obviously, you know, the, obviously old people. Or you're financially strapped and you yes. think, this guy's yes. telling me the answer. Yes. You know, all right. I got to do is send my last $100 and he's going to produce for me That's $900 right. more. BP said if I was preaching, my gifts would be higher. Fire, fire. So, what, what, what is your opinion on that, Brett? Why do you think uh, people are easily manipulated when it comes to faith? You know, it's it, when it's manipulation by faith. It's usually manipulated by the pastor or by the you know by the priest to basically put them in a position to where they feel bad about themselves. If you think about it, you know, one of the Why? first aspects of learning to follow God is understanding that it's a choice. You know, we have the free will to decide whether or not, whether we want to follow God's path or not. And that's one of the biggest things that you have to make in for yourself. You know, if you want me to scripture up, I can right now. I mean, we can go to Joshua twenty four fifteen, where it says, you know, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves. You know, I know that scripture mm-hmm. by heart because it, it basically is saying, and that's where the you know, whole famous that, verse, but as for me, in my house, right. we will serve the Lord. In my house, yeah. we will serve the Lord. There you go. Right there. Yeah. You know, it just underscores the, the importance of making a conscious decision, you know, and you have to make that conscious decision. So, and it shouldn't be out of obligation or expectation. <laughs> it should be out of faith. I said, so. I said, uh. Go ahead and give him that soft tail so uh, he can make you more humble. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it, it is. It's a conscious choice out there, and you can't be made to make that conscious choice. If you are, you're being manipulated for it, you know? You, it has right. to, the faith has to be there in your heart and not in the world. You feel like uh, mm-hmm. that's the way you have to look at some it. Some of these mega churches and stuff, and I know I keep going back to mega churches, but that's where a lot of money pours in. Um, you don't go to these country churches out there and see tens of thousands of dollars rolling in through the offering plate. But you go to these no. mega churches, and do you feel like a lot of that is not really people being manipulated and giving their money by the preacher, 
but manipulating themselves into giving the money so they're good for the week. You know what I mean? Like they they got yeah. they got all their bases covered, right? Like right. Yeah. Right. Ooh, that's a good question and that's a good point. I like that. What what do you think about that, Brett? I I I think it's a it's I think when it comes to big conglomerate churches or big box churches, it's a big dogged pony show. Um, because you can say, say, you can find that same thing, that same uplifting spirit in those same Christian people in a down home country church that holds 35 people and they show up, you know, and it's a family, it's a family, it's a church family, it's God's family. It's part of being, you know, um, being part of the body of Christ. It should have nothing to do with whether how big your glass cathedral is or anything else. It should have to do with, you know, your faith and the people that you associate with. And when it comes down to it, that's where it comes up where I brought that up is to, you know, you have to understand that it's a choice. And the choice that you're following, are you following the world and even the churches that are in the world? Or are you, you know, there for the right reasons? And that's a that's a big thing in life nowadays, especially with all the things that are going on. We see churches falling apart all over the place, right? We see changes mm-hmm. in some of the big conglomerate churches. Oh, right? yeah. We've talked about it. I mean, we've seen some amazing things that, you know, uh, it, you think about it. If God was down here right now, he'd be Gibbs in every one of them, you know, for the for the stupid crap that they're doing you know so like i said when it comes down to it it's it's the importance of making a conscious decision to follow and follow right and it shouldn't be an obligation or an expectation right Right. hey shep how you doing today bud it's good to see you my friend hey sheppy um well i just jumped on to say hi for a few (laughs) minutes because uh believe it or not (laughs) i start my new job tomorrow (laughs) all right yeah yay (laughs) right so i'll be up at 3 a.m tomorrow about eh, 245 tomorrow and i gotta uh i get to i get to start at uh 5 a.m tomorrow is that why you're driving these big trucks is that truck for the city or the county or something uh it's for the state yeah, state. I'll be running very large equipment for the state. Well, be careful out there. I hope you have moose lights because if you can't see them, you <coughs> oh, can't we miss got them. more moose lights than <laughs> you could shake a stick at, girl. Believe me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm Congratulations to it. on your new job. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, sir. I hope you go I've been well. retired too long. I guess I kind of needed this. You were not retired, sir. You were a firefighter, a teacher, a bus driver. I'm still retired. I mean, come on. (laughs) I'd hate to see what what you consider actual retirement is. Right? Well, I I have completely retired a few times, and I got bored stiff. So you know what? (laughs) That's all right. That's all right. Um, it'll it'll help me. this this job will help me not only uh you know financially but it'll help me mentally too because i'll be able to get you out, put man. a few things to the side <laughs> yeah it's gonna get yeah. me out yeah. you know that's good that's yeah need, yep i'm looking forward to it so you'll probably catch me tomorrow i'll sneak in every once in a while 
Well, before, before you leave, man, this is a little five-minute yeah. clip I'm going to get you to listen to with me real quick. I'm going to get your opinion on it on the outside. And now I'm going to kind of wrap this up and move on to the After Midnight okay. Show. But uh, here we go. I'll let you hear it real quick. If it plays. Oh, oh, oh. I got the wrong cord. Hang on. That's my fault. Technical difficulties. It's all, it's all yours? Yeah. Hey, hey, here you go. You ready? You ready? <laughs> I got you. Yeah, do it to it. All right. Ah. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yes, sir. What's it coming in by carrier pigeon? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Watch okay. out for the smoke signals. Right. Listen to me like you've never listened to me ever in your life. We have got to lay our lives down for the purposes of God. This is not a Sunday school picnic, the Church of Jesus Christ. This is not an invitation to have continuous good times. This is a war for the souls of men. Come out from among them. Run for your life. Because this is about your life. It's not just about an opposing theology or conflicting viewpoint on Jesus. This is about your life. My mind is forever branded with the story that I heard of police officers from the city of New York as, as people were fleeing from a crumbling building. There were police officers and firemen and others that were running towards the building saying, run for your life at their own peril. And in some cases, I believe they knew they were going to die, but there was a sense of duty. I was crying out to God. I said, God, oh, Jesus, don't let my sense of duty be less for your kingdom than these beloved firemen and policemen were for those that are perishing in a falling tower. We're living in a generation when truth is falling into the streets. I want to be among those that are not running away from the conflict, but running into the conflict and say, run for your life. Run from gospels that focus only on success and prosperity. Run. Run from those who use the name of Christ only for his personal gain. Run from those that are picking your pocket in the name of Jesus. Run. Run from gospels that only focus on self-improvement. Run. Run from churches where men and not Christ are glorified. Run. Run. Body of Christ, run. Get out. Don't touch the unclean thing. Run from churches in America and Canada where there is no Bible. There's no cross in the theology. There's no soul-searching word. There's no repentance from sin. There's no mention of the blood of Jesus. Run. It's unclean. Run. Run from churches where you're comfortable in your sins. If you come into the house of God and you've got sin in your life and you're not convicted of it, 
You're at a table of devils. Run from pulpits that are filled with political men who are using the pulpit of God for a personal political agenda. Run! Run from those who preach division between races and cultures. Run! Run! Get out! Turn it off! Get away from it! They know nothing of God. Run from ungodly, spasmodic movements and endless, empty prophesying. Beloved church, run for your life. Run from preachers that stand and tell stories and jokes. Run like you've never run before. Run! Run! What you think of that? Is that pretty much clear to say it all? <laughs> pretty much nails it. <laughs> Run. <laughs> yep. I mean, uh, if it, when it comes down to it and having the faith, you know, following God means trusting in his plan, even when we don't understand it. And you just have to keep that at heart. Yes, sir. Uh, all right, bro. I'm going to let you go, man. I do appreciate your time, man. I'm glad you got to uh, join in and help us with this conversation tonight, man. It was good absolutely absolutely have fun man. and i may be back later i'm so, i should be going to bed here in an hour or so but All right. you know how that's gonna work three look at Ozman. <laughs> see you rev <laughs> if you only knew Ozman. everyone have a great night and uh love you guys all and we'll talk to you soon i'm out of yeah, here later brother Bye. All right. So, manipulation of the mind, televangelists, mega churches, and all. Amber, we'll see you later. You have a great and wonderful evening. And uh, that's uh, that's us wrapping up the manipulation of the mind. And I hope you did enjoy the episode. And I hope that you uh, you got some information and stuff out of it. And um, yeah, who knows where we go next week, but. I promise you it will be good, and uh, I want you to check us out tomorrow for Outside of Oz, where we talk about Atlantis. I want everybody to check us out Saturday at 3 p.m. for Herbal Talk with Shelby, and then again on Sunday morning uh, with Cindy's recap of Herbal Talk. Um, I'm trying to get the trivia show set up with Caps for Sunday with the Illuminated Brilliance of Caps. And then on Tuesday... I have True Crime Tuesday coming up with Ed Gein, uh, his childhood. It's going to be at least a two-part, if not a three-part series on Ed Gein. So make sure you check us out for that. And uh, politics, that's that's a good one, BB, actually. Uh, you know what, we might dive into that next week, uh, the political manipulation of the mind. That actually sounds pretty good. So um, check yeah, us out for that. And uh, thank you for joining us here at Outside of Normal. We are a Laguna Night Media production. Uh, with that, if I don't see you on the other side for after midnight, I hope you have a beautiful and blessed night. And I am your host, Russ, and I will see y'all soon. <laughs>